Welcome to Definitely Maybe Agile, the podcast where Peter Madison and David Sherrock discuss the complexities of adopting new ways of working at scale. Hello and welcome. It's another wonderful day for a podcast and I've got my good friend Dave here and we're going to have a lovely conversation about all things to do with vendors today. And I know, Dave, you've got some great, great opinions on this and I think there's some really good insights for people. So do you want to kick it off? I was going to say, I almost feel good to chat to you again, Peter. I almost feel like we should come clean and say, you know, we are both working as vendors in many, many scenarios that we're going to be talking about. So um, there's a little bit of a, um, uh, yeah, pot calling the kettle black, or I'm not sure. (laughs) Um, But uh, what I've, I think one of the reasons this is bubbling up or is a topic that is front of mind for both of us is, in so many of the large organizations and digital transformations, agile, DevOps, digital, whatever that's, that describes, uh, of course, there are significant investments and programs that are rolling out that in, you know, have, have um, products, suites of services being integrated and configured and so on through vendor groups who are bringing those to the table. And I think maybe before we go into some of the headaches that can happen as a result of that, one of the first things I thought uh, would be useful is just just to understand that absolutely in, in today's fast-paced environment, to stay ahead of the game, it's it's absolutely should be a strategic imperative to always consider what can you buy off the shelf? What can you bring in from outside? So vendors and vendor products have a huge role to play just in that clarity of you know, if they're solving a problem that they're not solving once for you, but they've solved hundreds or thousands of times for many, many other different industries and types of businesses, their understanding of that problem space is clearly much better and uh, should provide a strategic advantage if you're able to work with the right products and the right vendors. Um, anything that you'd add there, Peter? Yeah, I'd, 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 it's if you can find a product that's a good fit for the problem you're looking to solve and it's uh, not something that's necessarily completely core to the IP or the value that you're delivering it's not something it's something that's going to operationally help drive your organization but not necessarily be something that you're you're going to want to expand and extend on or there's the specific pieces that by being able to do something deeper with it you would be able to drive even further value out of your organization then finding that someone that's already solved a lot of those problems knows what those problems look like then that's almost certainly the right way to go and typically when we're looking at like vendor assessments that's what we look for is like what are what are the internal skills in the organization do you even have the capabilities of doing these things yourself or can you go and can you do you need to go find somebody else who can do this <laughs> and yeah and that i i think that whole strategic element is such an important piece sometimes you get into conversations where you can i'm i'm actually i i've quite surprised at how eagerly some organizations will outsource their strategic strength. And so I completely agree. I think it isn't that, you know, um, even if the product is out there, if it's your strategic strength, you probably need to keep it pretty close to your business because it's proprietary, because that's what makes your business hum and grow, for sure. Yeah. But if we put that to one side, I mean, I think uh, if I'm just thinking about some of the challenges that we've worked in, one of the ones that um, I'm currently working with a client that is trying to unpick this piece is around um, 
vendor product relationships that are outside of core IT. So, and of course, they, they, you know, I, I think this touches a little bit to, you know, the, the way um, uh, product sales people, let me say that. It's not the vendors. The vendor, everybody involved in all everything we're talking about has everybody's best interests at heart, but they're going to have incentives which skew things in different ways. And one of the challenges you have with vendor products is that their relationship is often with the business. And if their IT sort of execution or implementation stays outside of IT, what you invariably find is a number of critical things happening, just like dependencies aren't identified. So all of a sudden, it's a flood of work around integration, around security or compliance or any number of different things, which are are well understood in core IT, but not understood or appreciated on the business side. Um, the other thing that can happen is just that uh, it imposes an unwieldy demand on core IT in terms of operationalizing it, in terms of maintaining it, in terms of licensing and costs and so on, hardware that may not be identified in those original conversations and the relationship building with the business. Um, any other things that you'd add there, Peter, that you've seen? I, I, I could add a, I can add a specific example I, I can think of, which is one that I've seen uh, multiple times over in various different forms. Uh, but you have a something like Salesforce, uh, the marketing part of the organization goes out, uh, by Salesforce, gets it all set up, starts integrating. They've been sold on this of solving all of their problems. It's absolutely wonderful. They get 75% of the way through it and then realize they need access to customer data stored in some other system, come knocking on IT's door, and IT say, you have Salesforce? Uh, we've never worked with Salesforce. Oh, no, we just need to integrate it over here. And it, it would go, but we don't know how. Like, well, we've got to go and work out but we're also working on all the myriad of other things you already asked us to work on and now uh, you want us to try and work out how to integrate this product we've never worked with into a, all the rest of our back-end systems to ensure we've got the data that you're looking for and you want this done by saturday uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's interesting you're saying that because i'm just thinking as you're saying that that there's a a requirement to be able to prioritize in your prioritized backlog because we're all working off a prioritized backlog of of business initiatives to include those pieces in there so even if a lot of the work is done by a third party and maybe it's even sort of broadly overseen on the business side you still need to have that ticket that placeholder in your backlog to be able to know have you got the right skills what are the implications and do all the things that we all know are the right things to do in those scenarios so trying to get that um uh, the the involvement of it early enough and also um, i mean the way i always kind of look for this one is ideally it are kind of managing the contractual side of the relationship it's by all means have a relationship from the business side they're going to be sold on the many different services and strategic opportunities that open up by using a particular product, but someone has to kind of watch over the the um, the contractual element. How is the work delivered? Who's involved on the teams? How that's going to be integrated into the overall IT infrastructure? Yeah, I, the the other element of that that I've I've seen on on occasion is where 
the the business doesn't understand the nature of the uh, of the technical pieces that need to be done so they go and sign a you know few hundred thousand dollars worth of integration work and uh, you're looking at it IT gets hold of it and looks and said that this is like maybe half a day's work <laughs> it's like we know how to do this. We we've got the prior art. So going the other way, it's like we know the prior art. We've got the integration systems. We've already got the the adapters we need. Uh, if you had asked, we could have set this up for you, and uh, you needn't have spent all of that money um, trying to work out how to get these complex pieces working. Um, so and, and of course that goes the other way around as well, right? Yeah. So um, and we're making the IT sound like the heroes, and it does the other way too because you do still have that that constraint that you don't want to slow people down in being able to get things done and to learn and to drive value and deliver that value. But you you do want to make sure that there's enough of a conversation collaboration going on that we we understand yeah. what's happening. Customer collaboration over contract negotiation, right? I mean, it's it's yeah, so something like that. Yeah. Have I heard that? Before? Maybe we should write yeah. that down and. Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah. I, I mean, I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if only we could, it would be socially distanced and yes, yeah. Uh, but but um, maybe if we extend, I think there's another recognition that, that kind of comes in is um, if I think of IT and business and the vendor as three parties in a conversation and, and we, we have to recognize the incentives of each of the people at that table and uh, not, not in a, you know, it's not a negative way of pointing fingers or anything, but it's a recognition that each of the parties at that table um, have different incentives, and that might impact recommendations, conversations, and so on in there. And, and one of the things I'm thinking of is one of the, actually a really enjoyable project that I worked on uh, involved uh, integration with a vendor, and there was a vendor providing the design work and driving the development of a new web application and, and so on. And they ended up providing a product owner. Uh, for various reasons, and this speaks a little bit to that strategic ownership internally. One of the headaches that happened is the product owner working through this vendor agency had a slight incentive, let me say, to create an award-winning presence, while the business had an incentive or a desire to be fast to market. And so you can probably imagine those are two slightly opposing tensions there and just because of of the role that the vendor ended up playing that caused a little bit of havoc i mean it was all amicably resolved and so on but it caused that havoc the pullback in terms of how things were prioritized what work was being addressed what the conversations were and so on so even in a situation that's not to do necessarily with product vendors uh, but even in a situation there where you've got people coming in and providing certain services, we have to recognize there are three parties at the table. They have opposing incentives that may not all be on the table for discussion. Yeah, I, I, I've seen uh, things like that too as with uh, an example of a large consulting company that also sells products. And the products were not... Um, they weren't fit and scalable enough. They weren't the right solution for the overall end-to-end program. But the, they're the company providing the services to deliver the program to. So they're not incented to remove the licensing for their software, even if they know that it's the wrong software. <laughs> so so the, 
and because the keys have been handed over to them to deliver the solution, they're you're you're now they've they've got to your point a perverse incentive. Their 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 incentive isn't necessarily aligned with what the organization wants, uh, and what would be the right way of solving the particular problems. They're kind of and equally they're handcuffed <laughs> to a certain extent. I mean, I think this is an interesting. It, it's. Uh, you see the same thing in different silos or different parts of an organization. It, it has nothing to do with whether the vendor is the party at the table. It can also be, you know, info, infosec, security, compliance at the table with development, with business, and they all have slightly different perspectives and views on it. But I think in um, uh, what I've seen in, in the third party world is there's an optimization in terms of being able to you know, leverage that, that comes in with the vendors. I mean, quite frankly, they're very, very good. They hire excellent people who are really good at arbitraging that difference, who are really, really good at maximizing the opportunities because they're incentivized to do it, not because they're trying to be disruptive or, you know, in any way um, uh, disingenuous, but the incentives are very clear often in those organizations, much more so than, um, for example, when you're looking within departments in an organization. They tend to. There's an aligning piece over the top of that as well. Yes, it's uh, when you're looking across departments. Uh, uh, hopefully, everybody in the organization is somewhat aligned to the direction the organization is going in. Hopefully, well, for sure. Yeah, I could tell you some story. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a different podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, Peter, you've been quite, I, I know you do a lot of work with vendors and, and you've had lots of experiences there and you've been quite quiet so far on the podcast. So what is it that, what is the bee in your bonnet when it comes to, or the thing that worries you the most or is something that you watch for when you're dealing and working? With uh, I think we, we, we've touched on a lot of these. The one that I think perhaps worries me the most is when I see an organization give over complete technical direction to uh, some other organization and uh, at the point similar to your uh, product owner example where somebody says well i'm not just going to bring this vendor in to deliver this value to these solutions to provide either the, the the product or the service on top of it or the understanding of it but i'm actually going to ask them to also on top of doing that as well, provide me strategic direction. It's one thing to bring in somebody who's going to help you um, facilitate the understanding of that strategic direction to provide coaching and guidance at, the, at that level. But if they're the same people who are also bringing in the services to deliver and the product that they're going to deliver under that, then their incentives are very much to how can I drive the most amount of revenue out of this entire stack of things that I'm now doing, uh, not necessarily for the benefit of the organization. So I, I find that uh, whenever I see that, uh, that, it kind of makes me look very carefully at what are the decisions being made? Uh, why are we doing things in quite the way that we're doing them? Uh, are we making these decisions for the right reasons? And, and start to look at like unpacking what that looks like. Uh, that's, that's a big piece of uh, some of the pain points I've seen. I think it's, uh, it's interesting that we're, in previous topics that we've discussed, the the impact of what we're discussing is is felt over time. And I think the interesting thing when you're looking at vendors is the vendor solution is often brought in as an accelerator. It is it, it is um, something that has outsized influence on the success and the the robust 
resilience, if you like, of an organization over time. A good choice of vendors, good choice of products maximizes the, the opportunity that an organization can take advantage of and also accelerates their ability to do it. But equally, poor choice often leaves you tied with a partner that is not really suited to where you need to go. So I think that's why you know, your conversation, partly my conversation as well, is we're really tied on how do you make that decision? Have you got the right people in the right place who have the authority, the ownership of things? Uh, because they are these accelerators and they have a potential for sending an organization really in the right direction or really holding them back. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, Finding the right uh, people you're going to partner with to uh, actually accelerate the organization is absolutely critical. Now, so how would, you, how would you sum this up if you were going to give three points? How would you sum all of this up for us? Well, I was going to say is that I wanted to kind of close on a high, if you like, because um, the... The, just because of the role that we play, you know, myself at Increment One, you with Zodiac, is that we're often involved in um, agile DevOps, sort of some sort of digital transformation. And the best experiences I've had, we, I often get the question, can you even do agile with a vendor rollout? It's mainly configuration, they've got a system and so on. And uh, I think some of the most impactful and best um rollouts that we've been involved with, that I've been involved with, have involved vendors who come to the table. Um, a couple of things that are happening. One of them is, is you know, managed in IT, and IT is driving that thing. We talked about that being one of the key pieces. Business is driving the relationship with the vendor. Clearly, they need the opportunities and get strategically what they need. But IT is front and center in that relationship. Um, transparency around those perverse incentives. So it's not quite sharing contracts and what your bonus is and my bonus is, but is at least coming to the table and having an open conversation about what good looks like and what is it that we're trying to achieve. And the closing point and the things that really stand out is vendor products nowadays, they're really well, there's a lot of good stuff out there and they're highly suited to incremental delivery. But there's also this sort of overhang of coming in and not necessarily doing the incremental delivery piece. And the best examples I've seen of where incremental delivery was the way those things got delivered. It isn't just agile in terms of changing, you know, uh, requirements at a late stage or anything. It's, you know, we're going to do a month's worth of work and then you're going to be able to use that product and you're not going to use every single thing. We'll have a critical path outlined. And then we're going to do this again. Then we're going to do this again. Then we're going to do this again. And that incremental delivery is immense because the, you now get the power of incremental delivery from Agile coupled with the power of the product that you're trying to roll out. Yeah, and I, I've seen the same thing. It's when and I, I structure engagements that way myself too, is coming in and saying we're We'll structure this based on outcomes on a period of time. We'll deliver to those outcomes, and then we'll make a decision at that point. Do we want to move on to the next set of outcomes, onto the next set, so that we're incrementally delivering value and that we're ensuring that we're providing opportunity to make sure we can course correct and make sure we're going in the right direction and delivering what we need to. And I agree. So I've seen the same when working with vendors where that 
the ones that go best, those arrangements that go best are the ones where we've been able to deliver incrementally in that fashion. So, uh, so I think we summed that up. Uh, well, I think we summed it up very well, but then I may be a little biased in this myself. Uh, so <laughs> that perverse incentive. Yeah, oh, well, there you go. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, we're open to any feedback if anybody wants to uh, send us some. Uh, we always like listening to our uh, listeners or reading what our listeners say. And so, mm-hmm. thank you very much for your time today. Dave. Always a pleasure, Peter. Good to chat again, and I'm sure we'll do it again soon. Awesome. You've been listening to Definitely Maybe Agile the podcast where your hosts, Peter Madison and David Sharrock, focus on the art and science of digital, agile, and DevOps at scale. 